0: Hunting Overtime is here to assist you with the knowledge and skills to help you be successful in the field. Established with the listener in mind, this podcast is dedicated to providing as much helpful information as possible to help you achieve your outdoor goals. From whitetail to elk and everything in between, I'm here to provide my insights and give you the ability to try them in the field. I'm your host, Brian Shoning. And this is Hunting Overtime. Welcome back everybody to Hunting Overtime. I owe you all some podcasts. I have been crazy busy and just haven't been able to get to them. I've been playing Mr. Mom for the last week. So my wife is currently helping her sister move. So... I'm at home with both kids, and uh, yeah, it's just been a lot of work. It it, uh, makes you really appreciate or give props to those single parents out there that have multiple kids, and I don't know if I could do it without my wife, obviously. But anyways, that's a whole nother story. So we got... Had a little bit of fun this week. We, I decided we'd all drive each other nuts if we sat cooped up in the house all week long. So instead of just sitting here while my wife was gone, we I packed both kids up and we took off and we went camping for five days. So that was a lot of fun. Got to take those two kiddos out there, enjoy the good outdoors with them, and just be outside, be away from home, and keep our mind off of mom not being there, and keep the kids occupied, and really just keep everybody sane, to be honest with you, instead of being cooped up at home, where we're used to being, but with mom, so we went camping, and I tell you what, I don't think I have ever rode, went on more bike rides and more walks than I did in those five days, that was kind of my goal going into that camping trip was just focus 100% on the kids, give them 100% of my attention. I In the back of my mind, I kind of thought I'd record a podcast while I was there, but I got to hang out with them and stay up late with them and just enjoy that time with them. So I never got a podcast recorded. So I'm going to hit you on here, and then I'm going to try to roll another one out for you by the end of the weekend just because I owe you some podcasts, and I know we got people keep messaging me, asking me for um, another podcast, so what we have, so let's see, since i talked with you guys last, uh, Nebraska turkey season closed, um, unfortunately my brother and I, neither of us ended up harvesting a turkey, he hunted, I can't remember what he said. Put it on our instagram story on the seasons i want to say he hunted 17 days maybe um he came super close multiple times there was one time where he could have taken a shot um but he used his ethical judgment and decided that that wasn't a shot that he wanted to take it was kind of through some grass so he passed on that shot it was well within range, but like I said, he was just worried about shooting through the grass, and if I remember right, speaking for him obviously, but if I remember right, he could have sat at a tree like three to four yards to his right and would have had a perfectly clear shot, but instead he sat up under the tree that he did, and it just didn't offer him the shot that he really needed to take that bird ethically um he hunted that same kind of group of birds pretty hard and was on them on the roost almost every single time so he did really good with not busting them out of the roost or anything like that um it was public land he thought maybe that last weekend that he went he thought maybe somebody might have got the tom that he had been after uh he heard a lot of hens on the roost but never heard any gobbles, if I remember him telling me correctly. Um, so he was thinking maybe being public land, maybe someone was able to get in there and get that bird that he had been after, which stinks, but that's part of hunting public land. So, so yeah, that was kind of his season in a nutshell. Oh, he did get a sweet video of uh, a hen she was all fanned out and she was just not very happy with him he she was all were all sorts of worked up about him being in her territory so that was kind of cool too but oh i forgot to mention i i uh was gonna get my mic and stuff out tonight and playing the mr mom that i'm playing for a few more days i have too much stuff going on so You're on my phone again. I'll try to do my best to make that audio sound as good as possible for you, but I don't have my good mic rolling, so my apologies if you hear some not such high quality audio out of this one, but anyways, so that's kind of his season in a nutshell. My season was much shorter than his season. Um, We had lots of different things going on. You guys all know about the whole COVID stuff going on and it's just, I wouldn't say it's negatively impacted my family personally, nobody's caught it or anything like that, but just, uh, my wife's in the medical field, and she, her work schedule changed, and we had some other things that had to take priority over, over hunting, unfortunately, so we made sure to attend those things, and like I've always said, it doesn't matter what season it is or whatever, it's family's always going to come first, so if we have family, important family things going on, we're definitely going to be there for those things, because that's what matters, so um, so my season, I believe I hunted, whew, this is going to sound bad, guys, I think I only hunted five days. Man, I think that's right. In those five days, though, I was on birds every single day. Um, I got a pretty sweet video going to roll out here on YouTube coming soon of the first morning I was out. My dad and I, we really got in tight on some birds, and they were just gobbling their heads off on the roost. But just couldn't quite get it done there was probably one bird that I could have taken a shot at. It was, it would have been a poke with a shotgun, but it wasn't going to be on video. And if it wasn't going to be on video, I really didn't want to take that shot. So I didn't, I passed on that. And yeah, that was my only real good opportunity of the season, my short season. So But like I said, we were on birds all the time, I got to take my daughter out, she got to see and hear toms, um, I believe every single time she went out, so that was sweet, she got to experience that, we were walking in one time and she was the first person to spot one of the toms, so that was cool, but yeah, other than that, it was a very short season on my end, unfortunately, but that's kind of how it went this year. We got big plans for the fall, so be ready for that. The main thing I'm going to add here, um, this is going to be an episode for what did you learn from a miss. So I have a miss here for you that still to this day haunts me. Biggest whitetail buck that I personally have ever seen on hoof, and I missed him at 40 yards. So, I'll t- I'm going to tell you that story, and then that is actually just the beginning of where that story gets crazy. So, basically the beginning of the story is, there was a big forest fire where I and in the area, well, even go, okay, so going back, we had a great private ranch that we used to hunt. I It was like three square miles, and we had it all to ourselves. And long story short, we ended up losing that place, not because of anything we did, just landowner was struggling and ended up selling the place. So... We lost that property, and that was a very, very special property. Still to this day, we talk about how special of a property that was. But anyways, after that, so I hunted that place the first my first year in college. When I was a freshman in college, so this would have been 2009, I hunted that, our old private property that we could hunt. 2010 comes around. And, I didn't really hunt that much, just because I didn't have property to hunt, I was still hung up on losing this place, yada yada, excuses, right? Everyone's got one. So, I didn't really hunt that much that year, unfortunately. The following year, I didn't really have any big plans to hunt, but... Do I have my years right? Yeah. I didn't really have any big plans to hunt. Um, but there was a big forest fire. And my now in-laws and myself and my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, we were driving around just kind of looking at what all effects this forest fire had had on the country and we happened to drive past this alfalfa field and there was this huge buck biggest like I said biggest buck I have ever seen on hoof out in this alfalfa field it's evening time so they're out feeding and just like I said biggest buck I'd ever seen on hoof and I get all sorts of worked up So, I make a comment. I said, I'm going to figure out whose land that is, and I'm going to figure out, see if I can hunt. I knew it was private property, and my father-in-law made a comment that most of the land, good property, good private property is probably already being hunted by somebody, and I totally agreed with him, but this buck was big enough I was not going to not pursue it. Okay. So I figure out whose property is my girlfriend, now wife, and I drive out to this guy's place, knock on the door, introduce myself and tell him where I'm from, you know, tell him that I'm going to college and where I'm going to college and that I'm in the area looking to try to hunt and I didn't tell him that I saw a big deer but I told him that I had seen deer out on his alfalfa field and just asked him if I could hunt and I guess my motto there and what I had what I had said to my wife and father-in-law was what's the worst thing that could happen tell me no so that's the worst thing that could happen is he could have told me no I knew if I went in there politely and things like that, he's not going to get worked up about it. He, There's just a pretty good chance he's going to tell me no. Well, much to my surprise, he says, sure, yeah, go hunt. So I was shocked. So the next day, I get arrangements made with my dad to get back down here to my hometown and get a tree stand. So we get that all taken care of. Me and a buddy, we go set this tree, set this tree stand up, and now I'm now I hunt this thing hard. I mean, I am in this tree. It's like it's probably a twenty minute drive from my dorm room, and I'm talking, I'm in this tree at least five nights a week. Okay, so I am hunting this thing hard. Now the nice thing about this, is with which white, with whitetail. You got to be a little bit careful how hard you hunt them. But the nice thing about the setup I had was it was on an edge of a field and I could access that without disturbing anything. Okay, so that's a really important thing. If you're if you're hunting things that hard, you have to one make sure you can access it without messing something up. But two, you also got to make sure that while you're there you're not getting busted and messing something up. Okay, so you got to be careful of those two things. Now I'm a scent freak, so they were not going to smell me because I took absolutely every single precaution you could ever take. I washed my stuff. I wore it twice before I washed it, and I'm not quite as extensive with that as I used to be. But back then I wore I wash it. I wear it twice. Excuse me. I wear it twice and then I'd wash it in scent-free soap use scent-free dryer sheets. I'd wipe my hands down with scent-free wipes before I took things out of the dryer. I would put scent-free dryer sheets in a scent-free bag, and then I'd put my clothes that I just washed in that bag. I would not open that bag until I got to the field. So I would get out of the pickup, and I'd strip down, didn't matter how cold it was, still do this, strip down, doesn't matter how cold it is, then put my scent-free clothes on, pack a whole bunch of stuff in my on my pack, making sure that I'm not wearing too many clothes so I start sweating, and then I walk in with my rubber boots. Before I get to my tree stand, I stop. I spray down, make sure to spray my feet off. I don't want to bring a scent trail to the tree. I don't want none of that stuff. I spray down all my bag, my pack. I spray myself down. I spray down every single layer of my clothing. Okay? So I wasn't going to get smelled. They weren't going to bust me in there. And they didn't. They never did. I had does underneath my tree stand every single night and I never got busted. Okay. So there, I constantly had does. And if the does aren't busting, then you're okay. As soon as you bust a doe, you're in trouble. Okay. So just think about that. You want to take all these precautions. Maybe you're a scent believer. Maybe you're not. Okay, whatever, whatever your belief is there, but you're, you can't argue with me when I say that a white tail has one of the best noses out there. Okay, that's a fact. So whether you think it, it uh, matters what you smell like or not, I think it matters. Uh, so I take all these precautions and did so with, with uh, this buck. So I knew there was this one buck that I was after, so I passed on many, many bucks this year. Um, And this deer, so I haven't actually told you what this deer looked like. So what this deer had, and I know these measurements and I'll tell you how later in the story, but what this deer had is on his right side, he was a typical What would be a typical 8-pointer. Some people call him 4 by 4 I'm going to call him an 8-pointer because that's what we call our white tail here. So he had 4 on his right side, but big. Like the biggest 4-point right side I've ever seen. Okay? And then on the left side, he had essentially the same thing, but it was trashy, it was thick, it was deformed, and he had a 10-inch drop time coming down. Okay, and I don't I don't even have a, a good estimate on the width, but he was wide and he was super tall. Okay, I ha- I'm sitting here right now actually looking at a 150 inch deer on my on my wall here that I shot up on that private property I was telling you about, and the deer that I'm telling you about was way bigger than the one I'm looking at right now. Okay, so I don't have a 100% score on him, but I'm guessing 170. Okay, somewhere in the 160 to 170, which is the biggest deer I've ever seen on Huff. Okay, so, anyways, I'm hunting this deer hard, I'm passing multiple bucks, this is all archery. Um, I had decided that where I was at, if I was going to get an opportunity at that deer, he was going to be within archery range anyways, so I stuck with my bow, um, and I planned to stick with my bow. The farmer or the rancher there actually had uh, very young cattle in that area, so he wasn't too keen on on uh, rifles. So I just stuck with a bow, and that wasn't a problem for me. Uh, I practiced enough things like that; I was comfortable. So, anyways, it was the. Let's see, let me get this straight here. It was the Friday, so it was eight days before rifle season opened. Okay? Eight days. And to this point, I had had two encounters with this deer. Okay? The first encounter was that encounter um, in the pickup with my in-laws and my wife. That was the first encounter. So that was the first time that I had seen that deer. The second time I had seen that deer, I tried an alternative tactic. I hadn't been seeing him, hadn't been seeing him, hadn't seen him since I saw him that time with the in-laws. So I tried a different tactic thinking, okay, well, maybe he's coming out into this field on a different spot, in a different spot, and that night that I saw him in the pickup was just a fluke night, and he happened to be somewhere else. And also, mind you, I don't know this property at all. I have never went past where I sat in my tree stand on the edge of the field. So I didn't ever venture back into the tree, so I had no idea what it looked like back there. So I tried a different tactic. I pulled a ground blind away from my tree stand. I was probably, as a crow flies, 400 yards from my tree stand, maybe. Okay, But it it, it would have been a spot where there could have been deer coming out onto that field and then walking a fence line, and I never saw them. Okay. So that was a possibility. So I thought maybe that's what was happening and i hadn't seen the deer hadn't seen the deer so i went ahead and gave that a try well of course as you would as you would know it would happen that night sitting in that ground blind that deer walked right past my tree stand I could see my tree stand through the trees. I watched him come right past it. I would have had a 10 to 20 yard shot somewhere in there, depending on where exactly he walked. And I wasn't there. So first thing I learned from this is stick to what you know. Don't switch up your game plan just because you're feeling a little demoralized. If you know something, stick with it. I knew I had seen that deer there If you see a buck in a certain spot, eventually he's going to come back. And when you were hunting it as hard as I was, I should have just stuck with it. I've had that happen on multiple other occasions where I tried to switch something up, and turns out if I had just stuck with what I wanted to originally, I maybe would have been successful. But anyways, that's not the point of the story. I had him at 80 yards... And I didn't shoot a super fast bow. And to be honest with you, still to this day with the bow that I have, I, I would not shoot a whitetail at 80 yards. Um, there's, they're just too quick reacting. And there's too many variables and factors that can play into something at, at 80 yards. You, there's so much reaction time there for a whitetail at 80 yards that I would not take that shot to this day. Maybe some of you would. That's your decision, entirely your decision. I'm not going to judge anybody on what they think is right. That is your choice. I am just going to tell you that I personally don't find that as an ethical shot, so I'm not taking it at 80 yards. So I had him at 80, and he knew I was there. I mean, he's this big, old, smart buck and here's this ground blind sitting there that's never been there. Like, he knew I was there. My hope was get him under 60, right? If I can get him under 60, I'm comfortable with that shot. Didn't happen that night, but I got a super good look at him, and I knew this thing was just a monster. Okay, So I knew he was an absolute monster. And so the next encounter I had was this eight days before rifle season. And I was sitting there trying to decide, do I go hunt our eastern Nebraska spot for rifle season? Do I stay here? So finally I committed I was going to stay here. Um, But I'm sitting there, it's a Friday night, and I only hunted this spot at night just because of how the field edge was and the access it just wasn't good access to get there in the morning there just wasn't I had hunted it a little bit in the morning and not really seen much it just wasn't a productive morning spot and I didn't really want to venture back into the timber too much um, just because I didn't want to screw something up I didn't know where he where his bedding and staging areas were I just didn't want to mess with it I wanted to stick with what I know and now I still hunt this property now I'm very knowledgeable about the whole terrain of the land and things like that. So I do many different things on there than what I did with this deer. But so this Friday night, I'm sitting there in the sand and I don't know. I didn't hear anything. I didn't see anything. I just kinda had this feeling that something was coming. I I can't even explain it. But I had just had this feeling. I just got, I started getting worked up. and Maybe I could hear something very faint, and that's what got me worked up. I'm not for sure. I couldn't even tell you the answer to that. But anyways, I know I didn't hear anything that I was like, that's a deer. Here it comes. But I actually had grabbed my bow and was just ready. And then I peeked back in the back corner behind me. There's a ridge that runs back, and just with the whole time that I hunted this stand, every single night, that's just where I could imagine him coming from. So every single night, I just imagined him with his huge rack coming out right there. And tonight, I looked back there, and there he was. I knew it was going to happen. At that point, I just knew that was going to happen. There was no other spot for him to go from where he was at. He was coming into shooting range for me, period. There was, like I said, no other possibility. I didn't think there was any other direction he was going. He was coming to the food source. I knew he was coming, and there he was. Walking, so he's walking right at me. Walking, 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 walking. He's at 40, he's at 30, he's at 20 behind a tree, he takes two more steps and he's going to be in my shooting lane, and he stops. He's not in my shooting lane, and he stops. Two more steps, I kid you not, two more steps, and I had a 20 yard, 15, probably 15 yard poke at this guy. Biggest deer I've ever seen on hoof. And what happens next, I still, to this day, don't understand. And this is what sickens me about this. He never looked at me. He never sniffed the air. He never blew. He never did a single thing... That was a warning sign, or or a sign that he felt threatened, or anything, and he ran across my shooting lane. So I had a pretty good shooting lane, probably 10, 15 yards wide, and as he ran across it, he got closer to me. So he was at 15, he would have been at 15 where he stepped out first. He would have probably at his closest been 10 or less yards from me. And he ran all the way across the shooting lane until he was just out of the shooting lane behind some trees. And he stopped again. And then he started walking. And at this point, he's angling away. Walking, walking. He's 20, he's 30 he's 40 I go man give him a little little uh, grunt there or bleat there and try to get him to stop he stops turns broadside I draw standing there broadside I release. At that point, he knew I was there. He's 40 yards. He's staring right at me because I had to bleat to stop him. He drops, jumps the string. I shoot right over the top of his back. My gut just drops. Absolutely just sinks. Sinks. I knew 100% clean miss, he darts off, and I had blown my chance. So, what could I have done different? Well, this entire time, I didn't think there was any way he would ever end up over there. So I didn't know what that distance was. I shot him for 40 and he was 35. Okay. Now that's not a huge difference. The bow I shot at the time was not super fast. But 5 yards difference gave him enough wiggle room. That when he jumped that string, that I just missed over the top of his back. It was just that much off that saved him. So hindsight 2020, obviously, it doesn't matter if I know where that deer is going to come from or not. I have to know yardages all around me. And that is something that I don't miss anymore. I don't make that mistake, sitting in a tree stand. I know yardages, 360 degrees around me. Anywhere where there is even the slightest opening for a shot, when it's starting to get daylight, I am ranging, I am ranging, ranging, ranging. If it's a new spot, I'm ranging like crazy. If it's an old spot, I'm confirming what I already know. Things like that, you just got to know those distances. Like I said, in my mind, There was no possible way I would ever shoot over there because I knew he was going to come by at 20 yards, and he did. But I don't know if it's just that big buck instinct or what in the world happened. I still to this day have no clue. I play this thing back over and over and over again. This is one of the first situations that comes to my mind when I start thinking about whitetail hunting is missing this deer. So this is when things get really crazy. There's my miss story, okay? So there's my miss story. What did I learn from it? Be prepared for all scenarios. Don't just be prepared for a scenario that you're confident's gonna happen. Think about those other scenarios in your head that you don't think are gonna happen. Maybe it's one in a million chance, but you need to be prepared for all of them. And in this case, if I would've known that was a 35 yard shot, I would've had a high lung hit. I probably, at that time of night, I probably would've let him lay overnight. But right now, I would be sitting here telling you a story about the biggest buck I ever shot with my bow Biggest buck I ever shot, period, and I shot it with my bow, and it'd be hanging right on my wall right next to this other 150. But it's not, because I wasn't prepared for that scenario. And sometimes you need those scenarios to learn from, but that's a gut-wrencher. That one right there is going to stick with me for the rest of my life. I kid you not. To some of you, that may sound ridiculous, But that one still gives me nightmares. Literally, I dream about that deer. I literally wake up in the morning having thought that I just dreamt about missing that deer. That is one that sticks with me and will stick with me, I guarantee you, for the rest of my life. So to add to that story, I get down. This is where things get really crazy. I get down out of my tree stand, and I go over to where my arrow is. I have to confirm I was confident that I missed, and I was all but throwing up in my tree stand from this miss. Like, I was... It was unreal, the way I felt. So I get down, go over, confirm there was no blood. I can see this deer still out in the alfalfa field, probably... 30, 40 yards out from where I had sat in the blind the last time I encountered him. He ran that way after I I had missed. And I decide that I'm just going to sit down by a tree here and watch him, see what he does. Maybe I can learn something. So I sit down by a tree and... I'm really close to a road here, so like my tree stand is, if I, like straight out from me, my tree stand would have been like 60 yards from the road, maybe, uh, probably more like 80 yards from the road, because I could shoot the field at 60, so about 80 yards from, from a dirt road, and so I'm sitting there, and it's not uncommon, obviously, the it's just a regular county road that vehicles go by. So, this vehicle drives by, and it kind of slows down, and I thought that was kind of odd, but then I got to thinking, well, what would I do if I saw a big old buck out in the field? I'd slow down, too. So, it slows down, but it never actually stopped, and continues on its way, well, Less than a minute later, I hear a vehicle coming from the opposite direction, and I look back, and it's the same vehicle. So they pull up, it would have been like right by my tree stand, right, like straight out in front of my tree stand. I was a little bit off to the east of my tree stand at this point, They would have pulled up out right right across the road from my tree stand. And they stop. And I thought, that's kind of weird. They stop right in the middle of the road. It is, oh, there's probably a couple minutes left in shooting light. Not much. It's getting real close to the end of shooting light. Um, Maybe you have five, ten minutes. Okay? And they pull up, and they're close enough I can hear them talking. And they're definitely talking about this deer, and I still, to this day, remember these exact words. What do you think we should do? Should we shoot him? And it was at that point when they said that, I'm like, oh, dang, that's not the word I used, but this isn't good. So to paint you a picture, I have the deer to my left. This pickup to my right, I am essentially right in the middle of them. I'm sitting by a tree, all camoed up. This isn't good. They're talking about shooting this deer, and I'm literally right in the middle of them. So what happens next is the driver jumps out, the passenger jumps out, They both go to the passenger side of the pickup. They throw rifles across the hood of the pickup. And they start shooting. I don't remember to this day how many shots they took. It was a lot though. And they're shooting at my deer. And they're shooting these bullets. I hear them whizzing over the top of my head. So as this is happening... I slouch down next to the tree because the last thing that I want, you don't know what people are thinking. The last thing I want at this point is for them to see me. In my mind, the worst thing that could happen, I don't know if they've been drinking, whatever the scenario is, the worst thing that could happen is there's two guys with rifles. There's a guy out in the woods watching them try to poach a deer. The worst thing at that point that could happen, one, since I'm in the middle, I get shot, so I need to get lower, or two, who knows what's going through their mind, they're already doing something illegal, what if they see somebody catching them in the act? Obviously, you hope nothing bad would happen, you would hope people wouldn't do something like that, but you just don't know those people. So I'm slouching down for my safety for multiple reasons. I don't want them to know that I'm there, so I slouch down, I get my phone out, I don't have very good cell service, but I do have good enough cell service to get a call through, I didn't have a game warden's number or anything like that, I just straight called 911, told them the scenario, so I got to the sheriff's office, they sent me to the sheriff's dispatch, um, he ended up, they ended up getting, getting me a game warden's number, And I pushed hard for these guys to get caught because the last thing that they said before they drove away is quick, hurry up, get in, we'll come back when it's dark to find him. So I knew they were coming back. 100% knew they were coming back. Like I said, I could hear every single word they they were saying. They were 80 yards from me. So I knew they were coming back, and I could quote those words back to the game warden. So, they drive on, they hop in the pickup, they tear off, and they get to the end of the field, which is where my pickup is parked, and they stop. Now they get out. Apparently, they hadn't seen my pickup the first time they drove by. I don't know how they would have missed it. Well, I do. I'll tell you that story later, too. But anyways, they they get out, and now... They're walking around my pickup, so they're walking around my pickup. I have I have some stickers on my pickup, so it's very clear that I'm hunting, not just like a farm pickup. <clears throat> well, they get back in the pick their pickup and they drive off. Okay, so at this point, I'm telling myself I got to get out of here because I know they're coming back. I'm talking to the game warden. He, in this area, there's not many wardens, and he actually ended up being on the opposite end of his jurisdiction, essentially, so I'm giving him these details, and, well, this is actually after I've talked to him, and I've talked to the sheriff's office, and basically I called them back and asked, is anybody coming? Somebody needs to do something. This is not right. Somebody needs to do something. So finally I got a hold of the game board, and he hadn't answered right away, so I was struggling getting a hold of him, which is why I called the sheriff's office back, and finally I got a hold of him and told him the story, told him exactly what had happened, told him I have a perfect description of the pickup, I gave him that description, I told him, I said, they are coming back, period, they're coming back and they're going to look for that deer, because this deer is a monster. And they, they want that deer. And they, they specifically said that they are coming back. So he takes that info. Um, in the meantime, I'm at my pickup. And I actually was, I, there were some hay bales there. And I had went to the other side of the hay bales just roaming around talking on my cell phone. And when I was over there, they had came back once already. So they came back. Well, now I was on the other side of the hay bales and I wasn't really around my pickup. And they got out. And this is where I didn't I was younger. I wasn't real sure what to do. I was really worked up. I was nervous. I didn't know how old of people these were. I didn't know if they were kids. I had no idea. And so I just stayed on the other side of the hay bales. And I could I could see them through the hay bales and they got flashlights, and it's dark now, they have flashlights, and they are shining them inside my pickup, and they're talking about what they're going to do, and they're trying to figure out where I'm at, and it's just not a scenario I want to be in, and I don't want to be around them, I don't want to encounter them, I don't want to confront them, like I said, I know they have rifles, you hope nobody's crazy, but I think we all know in this world, you don't ever know And so I just do everything I can to avoid contact. I know they're searching in my vehicle, not like physically searching in my vehicle, but they're shining lights into my vehicle, things like that. They know I'm there somewhere. And I just don't want to encounter them. So I don't confront them. They take off again. I call the game warden back. I tell them everything they had just said, that they were searching searching into my vehicle with flashlights, things like that. And basically, he tells me, he says, okay, is there a safe place you can go away from where you're at where they're not going to see you? Yeah, there is. The same rancher that I, whose land I was hunting on lives, um, or not lives, sorry, he has a feedlot just not too far away, so I go and I park in there, and I give the warden the description of that area, and... um. He comes to that spot, I meet up with him, and basically tell him again what I, what I saw, what I knew, things like that, and he said since he had been in contact with me, he had got a hold of the sheriff's department as well, and they had decided since they these people very clearly said they were coming back, they're going to patrol the roads for this vehicle, and basically they're going to do a stakeout until they come back. He sent me off, sent me on my way, and I was probably, it was probably an hour, hour and a half after that, he sends me a picture of a pickup and says, is this the pickup? And Undoubtedly, I knew it was. There were very detailed things on the pickup um, that I had known about they had told him that they were shooting at a raccoon in the ditch, I think is what the story they told them. Um, they, the wardens and the sheriff's department went and searched for the deer. They never found a deer. They searched pretty hard for it. So they didn't think that they ever had actually got a hit on the deer. Um, Ended up sighting them, I can't remember, something with loaded rifles in the vehicle while driving, um, operating weapons under the influence, DUI, MIP, so they were minors. So hindsight, I was really glad that I didn't actually confront them. These were teenage kids that you just never know. They'd been drinking So I think it was a great decision on my part not to actually confront these people and just let the law enforcement take their toll. And this is a great scenario of a group of law enforcement between the game wardens and the sheriff's department that really wanted to do something right. And they took the full initiative and enforced all their power to catch somebody who was really doing something not only illegal but unethical. And I was very pleased to see the effort that they all went through to get that done. And I know those, uh, those kids got charged pretty hard on that. So that story got crazy. I do know for a fact that that deer survived. The rancher found the sheds that winter. Or that spring, I can't remember when he, when exactly he found him, but he showed him to me when I was turkey hunting up there. So I know that deer survived, but I never saw him again. He wasn't there the next season, so I don't know what happened. I mean, obviously he could have died anytime in between. We have mountain lions, things like that up there. Anything could have happened, but I never saw that deer again. So not only did I miss the biggest deer. But I went through a poaching scenario that many people have never been through, something like that, where poachers are literally shooting rifles right over the top of your head. Um, Yeah, that is one that I will never forget. And if you stick with my podcast, you're probably going to hear that story again. Because that is one that I will tell time and time again and just talk about the ethics and How those type of people are not hunters and how we as hunters get portrayed as those type of people. And it's because of those type of people that we can get a bad name. So just do things ethically. I mean, they could have went and got permission on the land just like I did. Maybe they could have got permission to rifle hunt it the next weekend. Who knows? But those type of people are not the type of people that we need out hunting. We need the ethical people who are going to show show others what good sportsmen are and the right way to do it. So, um, I'm about out of time here. I got only about ten minutes left, so I'm going to wrap it up for you guys. Thank you all for listening. Hopefully, you enjoyed that. Hopefully, you got something out of that first part of the story and even the second part. The second part was more for your for your uh, entertainment, but the first part, just you got to understand and be prepared for all scenarios. Okay, so that's, that's what I learned from this thing. Be prepared for all scenarios. Even if you don't think there's one in a million chance that it happens, you need to be prepared for that scenario. So when, when you're going out in the field, going on a new hunt, going to hunt even a place that you've hunted for years, think about those scenarios that might pop up Maybe you've never seen them pop up, but there's a possibility. Think about those scenarios. Practice those scenarios. Play through them mentally in your mind. Just play those scenarios out. What would you do? How would you handle that certain scenario? And that'll help prepare you better when that actually does happen. So thanks for listening again, everybody. Stay tuned for your next episode. I'm going to try to roll you another one out this weekend. I really appreciate all the support. If you have any questions or ideas for this podcast, shoot me an email. That's huntingovertime at gmail.com. I really appreciate it. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already so you can catch all of our future episodes. And make sure you rate me, give me some feedback, uh, leave me a review. I love all those things. I'll shoot shoot you back some uh, responses, things like that. So thanks again, everybody for listening to Hunting Overtime, and we'll catch you all in the next episode.